Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. And after 75 minutes of trying to get Rob to give me the control of the Zoom, uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another great episode of Not Quite Cool. My name is Keith Brooks, and I'm here, uh, as always, with Chad Dowdy. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing good, Keith. I appreciate you asking. You know, you always check in on me, every podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, anytime, buddy. And then here's my question for the listener out there. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Oh. Uh, like broken your toe right and and it's it's miserable it's not the worst thing in the world but it's like oh fuck this is painful and i have to deal with it that's kind of what it's like to hang out with our my uh, your big toe my yeah. your big swollen toe yeah that is mr robert prago uh drinking from arby's is arby's even fucking open right now where did you get arby's um five minutes ago got me a beef and cheddar with curly fries that's why the podcast was delayed that's why we couldn't record it exactly because <laughs> he was at you caught, you caught me it was on my way home uh <laughs> rob cool. how are you lovely burp how are you today sir i don't even know anymore i i don't i'm fine i'm here that's the thing little- I got a little ponytail going on. I haven't cut my hair since March. I like a fucking wax job. I got Bee Gees hair. It's lovely. I just threw up a little bit. As a man who used to rock a ponytail, I just threw up a little bit. Um, he, here's the deal. Probably the listener, which your dad. So, But anybody else who happens to stumble upon this podcast don't realize we always record this after you've been teaching all day or whatever. So they just think you're a curmudgeon of a person, like an always miserable, which is fair. That's a fair assumption. I can't argue with you, Keith. I've yeah. learned I've learned to use you as my own reflection, a mirror. And I look in, I look at Keith, and I see how Keith sees me, and I go, I'm just a miserable old curmudgeon. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad we, we got to shave. I just, it should just say, get off my lawn Yeah, on my, on my screen. Yeah. But it's okay. So, I like talking about the movies and the picture shows. Yeah, I was going to say, movies? I don't know. You didn't even watch any movies. The movie, TV shows, the mo- maybe. The movie and the picture show that I saw. I watched all of I Am Groot. I committed to the whole binge. <laughs> oh, was, you watched all of awesome, season one, right? right? Question. I'm embarrassed to say, I didn't understand one of the endings. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even sure I can tell them this. I Literally, I watched one of the I Am Groot. So I'm going, I'm not sure if I understand this one. And we'll get into that. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, can we talk wrestling? Is Roman Reigns has got to run into the Rock at some point, right? This is leading to the Rock, is am I not? Let's talk about wrestling for a second, Chad. This is going. Is, he's not losing to L.A. Knight, so this is going to be the Rock at WrestleMania, right? It'll either be Cody or the Rock. You know, I hope it's the Rock. But uh, NXT this week, Paul Heyman was backstage, caught on camera. They didn't call him out or anything. Uh, where he was talking to the Rock's daughter, so that's how you get the Rock to get angry. Yeah, is you're trying to recruit his daughter into the bloodline. Then ah, <laughs> that's because because I also think the Rock has to come in just for like a a, a a single night. You know what I mean? He can't commit. Well, I mean, SAG strike. Maybe he could right now. Well, that's uh, what Cena's doing. Cena is he's been there for weeks, and it's. Because of the strike, because of the sad yeah. strike. That's yeah. crazy. He even said it in the post-match press, uh, post-match meetings, where he said, "Look, they they went on break. That's why I'm here. 
He goes, this yeah. is what I can do. This, I can do this now. But when that, you know, things paused, when that's over, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so funny. It's like, this is, that's why the rock, when was rock back about three weeks ago, about a month ago. He came back. Uh, it was less than a month, probably three weeks ago. Yeah. He showed up for a one-off because he was, he was already there for like college game day that yes, next, right. next morning. So that's yeah. good. Anyway, yeah, and that's why people tune in to hear our interesting wrestling takes talk. on the wrestling. Yep, that's um, uh, we make it WWE easy, is what we do. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and move on because we got a lot of stuff to cover, and none of it's whatever bullshit they were just talking about. We got a lot of movies and a lot of trailers, so we're just gonna dive straight into the big one everybody wants us to talk about: a Disney Plus release, a Marvel series, the second season of it. That's I Am Groot. Um. Uh, Rob was referencing it earlier. So I am Groot. I think it was five, six episodes, total of like four and a half minutes altogether. Uh, I watched it. Chad, did you watch it? What did you think about it? You know, this is more of the same of the original or the first season. Um, the Snow Day one was my favorite one. Uh, Groot's cute as all get out, but the Always. Snow Day one was like super funny, super cute. You know, I dug that one. Yeah. Uh, the Are You My Group one, uh, I was a big fan of that one, but the rest fell in the middle that were all pretty good. But is the Are You My Group one, is that the bird one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I thought that was cute. Um, so, so uh, cute. Rob, Chad doesn't like cute things. Uh, what do you, what do you, no. you should be safe. What do you think about uh, I Am Groot <laughs> season two? I was, uh, I was hesitant to watch and I, you know, I buckled down last night and pulled up my bootstraps. What a commitment. Made a big bowl of cereal. Sat there and I and I powered through the eleven minutes or whatever it was to watch all six episodes. Good. I think I just put it. I, I smiled the whole goddamn time. Yeah. Visually, it's stunning. It, it's really gorgeous, gorgeous visual effects. The character is great. The character is such a feisty little d bag. It's almost <laughs> like he's almost like an angry little puppy that's just tearing on shit, which is a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the first one was the one with the I I am. Uh, I'm your mother, whatever. I am your group, whatever. Uh, with the little, even the little creatures were cute. All the farting and the fun. It's just fun and silly and ridiculous. Great creatures. Um, so I, I enjoyed all of them. I, I really did. They, they were a lot of fun. I thought the uh, the snowman that almost took over the world, very, uh, yeah. uh, you know, very uh, uh, Avengers uh, 2. But okay, so the one where the ice cream truck is going by the ship, and he's trying to get money for the ice cream truck, which we could all relate to his kids. Ma, ice cream man, ice cream man. So I didn't understand. I didn't understand the last scene. Okay, we're that, back up. When you were a little kid, you, and the ice cream man was coming, you heard it that's, coming. That's not what my <laughs> my face of confusion was. <laughs> I, my that's the one you don't understand. Well, yeah, the ending. I didn't get the last shot. So he destroyed the, the ship. He like because he sent his little ship into hyperdrive and ran through the fucking ship. Oh, see, I didn't miss that. I thought he went after it. And then and then I just thought he wound up in some weird ass ice cream land. I didn't know what that was. So what we've established is Rob doesn't understand shows made for three year olds. <laughs> I didn't. It was like this says it was like, go open the go open the, the juice box. And I was like, I can't open this juice box. It's, it's I thought. There's an episode that has a crossover with like the Watcher, so like that's the, what the I thought he episode. was talking about. That's what I thought he was talking about. Not not well, clear as day. That was the I Watcher, and, it, and he didn't do what the Watcher. Had. No, that was clear as day. I didn't know where he wound up in the ice cream one. Yes, <laughs> I just where. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> that's... I could have gone back and you know watched the scene before, and maybe have grasped it, but 
that was a long commitment. <laughs> you know, you want to back up. Absolutely. I, I, I don't I'm ready for season three. Yeah, no, 100%. It's great. It's super fun. I, I mean, think they should cross over. I am Groot and uh, Loki. Uh, that actually be kind of great. I, I mean, you could do sort of anything. I think they'll probably stick to the animated world. So maybe give us like the Marvel zombies crossover, whatever that happens. Um, but, but I dug it. I liked hearing Jeffrey Wright in it. it. You know, it's basically Tom and Jerry, but with Marvel characters. And I, I, I dig that. It's nice. If you want to talk about teaching an actor about objectives, cartoons are the best way to do it. Because it's simple. You know what they want the entire time. You can define their tactics. I'm just trying to like I I'm just saying stuff because my mind still hurts from you not understanding the ice cream episode. So let's just move on. Like like a brain freeze from a good ice cream, my brain yeah. hurts. There we go. Yeah. Well, well, that was chilling. And so is the next thing we're going to talk about, a uh spooky movie that came out prior to the spooky season, but I think it's still relevant. The newest venture from Kenneth Branagh, um a haunting in Venice. Uh the Poirot character in his third outing in this uh, iteration. Chad and I saw this. Chad, what did you think about this star-studded Tina Fey, uh, Michelle Yeoh, like great cast. What did you think? Like you said, it's the third one in this franchise, and this was kind of a departure, yeah, from the first two. I mean, definitely, it's still a, a mystery. He's still trying to solve the mystery, uh, but this was a lot darker than the others, a lot creepier. It had like a supernatural uh, tilt to it, and you know. It's just my it's my least favorite of all three. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I just I just don't feel like I enjoy him in a world with supernatural elements. Now I know they explained a lot of the the stuff away as far as that goes, but I just like a straight up in this scenario. I like a detective story where he's looking at real life clues and he's figuring it out and he's a step ahead of everyone else. So. I mean, this was fine. It was very well done. Like you said, star studded cast, all of that. You know, I'll watch the next installment and I appreciate the swing they made with this one. Uh, but yeah, it was my least favorite of the three. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I, I think it is a departure, not only in the subject matter, but also the way it's cut. Like it's cut more like a horror movie than the others are with you have those sharp jolting cuts throughout the film. And I, I kind of enjoyed that. There is that, is it supernatural, is it not supernatural aspect that sort of plagues it throughout the entire time. I didn't really run into it, because probably because I was familiar with the source material of it initially. Right. So, but I, I love his Poirot, and I could see, again, I'm a big Murder, She Wrote guy, right? So any detective sort of setup you're going to give me, I'm going to dig. So I could watch these and John Wick's for the rest of my life and be completely satisfied. Uh, just keep giving me great casts cool mysteries i'm on board for it i think i like it probably better than death on the nile but probably not as much as murder uh, on the orient express um and, and and to be honest i didn't even know it was happening until i saw a poster you know what i mean uh and so i'm excited to see if they've already shot like three more or something uh Bruno works fast so yeah I, I dug it um but speaking of supernatural bins on stuff and and some out of this world entertainment i think all three of us saw a hulu original uh called no one will save you um a new film on hulu that really brings in the halloween season and does some awesome stuff. Chad, what did you think about No One Will Save You? It's an interesting movie. Um, you know, I'm not, it's spoiling it a little bit in this piece, but I, I feel like it's out there. People know this. There's not really any dialogue in this film. Hmm. You know, the main character doesn't really speak, except for, you know, maybe this moment here. 
and while I enjoyed it and it was creepy, um, I enjoyed like maybe the first 20, 30 minutes a lot, like the invasion aspect, the alien in her, in her house. I love, I dug that. I just felt like that it did not sustain its runtime as far as just the no dialogue with her going from here to here, not really confiding in anyone in the town. And again, I know, I know what they're trying to do and things like that. I just, to me, it felt more like it would have worked it better as a short than a full movie. But again, a lot of elements were cool. The the alien creature design, very yeah. cool. Uh, her performance, you know, I dug it. Um, and, you know, kind of has like a Twilight Zone ending that I, I love the Twilight Zone. I don't know if I'm fully on board with that ending either. So this was just kind of okay for me. <laughs> Uh, Prago, what about you? Yeah, like like what Chad said, I felt like it was like a Stephen King short expanded into a full movie, which was which was kind of cool. Um, you know, we've been around a lot of independent films and indie filmmakers, and always trying to aspire to figure out the way to, you know, when you don't have a big budget, how do you do it for less? And I like the not that it was one location, but it was primarily uh, a single location. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. I, the ending was a little bizarre. The ending felt a little Twilight Zoney for. It was weird. I felt getting a lot of different vibes from this show. I got a little ET. I got Close Encounters. I got a. Uh, I got um, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The ending, mm-hmm. sort of, where she's walking around and everybody's changed, and she's allowed to sort of exist. That's very Invasion of the Body Snatchers for me. She's a dynamite actress. I mean, yeah. she's a dynamite. I love. I love that they did this movie. I love they took the risk. I love that whole. She's the only one who speaks in the movie. This is going to be a strange comparison, but uh, Keanu Reeves did a movie with, uh, um, oh, it's got her name. Good Lord. What the hell's her name from? Uh, Winona uh, Ryder. Thank you. Destination Wedding. Did you ever see Destination Wedding? No. Very small film, but it's great. You should watch it. It's basically two people who can't stand each other wind up having to go to go to the same wedding. And it's how they wind up, the relationship grows. But you realize about 40 minutes in, the spoiler alert, they're the only people who've said anything. And they're the only two people who say anything in the entire movie. And they're at a wedding with, and it's wild. And it's done very intimate and very small. And I remember thinking, what is it? How is this reminding me of death? So again, just cool ways of keeping the budget low. And, you know, I love the alien design. Love the, especially, I love the smaller alien designs better than the giant. What are you guys doing? Relax. Other than the giant alien designs. I thought the color palette of the movie was beautiful. Um, I, I thought the scene on the bus was creepy as shit. Yeah. I mean, there were good things. I did, did it like said, did it sustain the whole thing? No, I thought the opening 20, 30 minutes in the house was outrageous. I thought that was great. Very, very good. So I, again, thumbs up for me. There you go. I enjoyed it. Um, well, I want to point out real quick that when he said, what are you guys doing? Calm down. He wasn't talking to me and Chad. He was talking to his dogs. Um, but <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> um, uh, I agree. Like, I, I think you know, it is interesting. The only time she speaks in the entire movie is in that little fantasy they give her. And the only other people that speak is there's a phone call where someone calls her like a fucking bitch or something. And then the sheriff says, uh, and yeah. everything else is silent. And I think that's such an intriguing conceit already. Uh, the idea of our protagonist being a person who maybe is not the most innocent of people, even though she was a child. That's compelling. The fact that she feels alien in her world already, 
just the way it layers that. I loved it. Like I I think don't don't ever make a sequel to this movie. Leave this as a one and done great entry into the science fiction canon. Because I really walked away really super impressed and loving what I had experienced. Um the the spider alien that was massive was fucking terrifying. I love the fact that we went with a lot of like the gray designs and stuff like that. Yeah, I dug it. I, I thought it was a, a wonderful almost at times a throwback to older alien films, right? But speaking of throwback, Chad and I watched another horror film, uh, a uh, anthology called VHS 85. Uh, I think it's the 963 uh, third entry in the franchise, um, exclusive to Shudder. It has 14,000 shorts in it. I don't know. I didn't count. Uh, Chad, what did you think about VHS 85, which sees the return of one of the original directors, David Bruckner. Oh, Bruckner's back. Nice. Yeah. And they've also just announced uh, a couple of days ago, as one would expect, another VHS coming next year. Gotcha. That's fine. So, keep, yeah. keep, somebody's keep making money. Somebody's yeah. making money. Yeah. Yeah. Keep them coming. So, to me, this one, there's not a bad short in the bunch. I dug every one of these shorts to varying degrees. Yeah. Uh, I also really love the fact that a couple of the shorts were connected to yeah. each other, especially like the way that I realized it was connected at first uh, when a kid is like shooting with a water gun, I was like, Oh, that's funny. Cause there was a water gun in the, and, and then, I, then they see like the, um, whatever they were driving. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I love the fact yeah. they connected the shorts and I don't remember VHS ever really doing that other than the wraparound uh, pieces, you know, as far as that goes, but uh, some of the shorts connected. I, I really love that. Uh, probably my favorite was the dude where he was dreaming about the future, what would happen. And then you get videotapes. Uh, that's a pretty cool concept. Absolutely. So, so Rob, I know you didn't see it, but the concept of this one is the police received a videotape and uh, it's of a murder, a murder scene, but they don't know who it is or where it is. Then a week later they get a call and they show up at a house and this is the murder. But oh, wow. time of death shows that it just happened. But they saw the murder a week ago on this wow. videotape. So right there, I mean, it's a great concept, you know? Uh, so it's pretty cool, you know, that element, but uh, yeah. The one out on the lake, uh, Keith, there's an awesome special effects shot where the girl gets her jaw blown away. It looks incredible. Some of the special effects in this movie. I know this is low budget horror, but it just looks incredible. Some of the gore effects in this movie. Uh, but again, like I said, not a bad one in the bunch. So because of that, this is probably my favorite VHS out of all of them. Wow. Yeah. I, I I mean I think this one's great. The the lake one is my favorite. That that first lake one. And I love the way I didn't even really think about the lake the lake one and the family one being separate shorts. I just thought they were a continuation. But then like in retrospect, that's not really the wraparound story. The the one in Mexico is great too. Like I love that one as well. Yeah. But the lake one, just to spoil it again for Rob, let's just spoil stuff for Rob. That's what this podcast is called. Um spoil stuff for Rob that he's never gonna watch anyway. Um so the lake one is a bunch of like teenagers. They decide to go, you know, be teenagers on a lake uh, set in the middle of the 80s. And uh, they're they're water skiing and having a great time when somebody pulls up and starts snipering them off one by one. Um, 
While they're in the boat, they're in the boat in the lake. Yeah. But the problem is they all die and then they all come back from the dead because there's something in the water that prevents you from dying. So only the ones that touch the water come back to life. And it's just a great little cool little concept with a great little payoff. I wish in that second one we would have seen more of them. But uh, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was super fun and cool idea. So. Yeah, they didn't come back as zombies, Rob. They came back as themselves, but maybe they're like their intestines are hanging out, yeah. or you know, like the one girl her jaw's missing, and they're completely alive, and they know something's wrong with them, but they they're feel not the pain. They 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 experiencing what they they feel everything that just happened to them, or was I, they, I don't think I don't know if they feel the pain anymore. Do the kids? No, because the one guy's brains are falling out, and he's like yeah. just walking around fine, but. It's, it's 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 cool. It's interesting. It's very '80s in its vibe. I mean, all of them are. Um, and I think it's just a very interesting series as it develops. The more films they do and reaching out to international filmmakers, I think it's great. Plus, it hasn't lost that violent edge that sort of defines the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of violent edge, let's talk about something that I know Prago and I watched. Um, the newest series on Peacock. Uh, set in the world of John Wick, three episodes, basically three films, The Continental. Uh, did you now, Chad? You haven't watched this yet, right? Correct. I haven't seen any yet. I've just seen the first two, and Rob's only seen the first two because he didn't listen to me about how good the third one was. I, Groot or the Continental? Groot yeah, the Continental. they're about the same length too. That I am Groot in the <laughs> Continental. Um, so, I what did you? Suitcase. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the first two episodes of The Continental? Um, a little uneven. I love the time period. I love the look of it. I love the soundtrack. Um, to me, the most interesting character in the show, I guess, is the brother who we don't get a really a lot of after the first half of the first of the first episode. Who's tremendous? Um, who is the most John Wick esque character in the first two episodes? Um. That being said, there's some cool characters. I just don't think um, the guy who's cast as the lead is as dynamic or charismatic as the character he's portraying from the John Wick movies. I just, I don't, he's not a bad actor. Some people just have a certain quality and some people don't. And that's why there's casting, right? It's not necessarily quality or acting. He's a fine actor. I just don't think he, he's the guy. Yeah. I don't think he carries himself in the way. I don't think I get people go, well, he grew into it. I, eh, you know, people, people are who they are. Um, I think with, with better casting and again, not a better actor, just somebody with more of the qualities of what's his name. I just forgot the actor's name. Ian um, McShane. Ian McShane, who is just dynamic. You know, um, I think that would have helped to That would have helped me anyway. Um, I do love being around the continent. There's a lot of really interesting characters um, Mel Gibson is easy to hate as the bad guy. Um, he slides right into that very well. I'm, I'm blown away at the the soundtrack. Yeah. We talked about this. It's a soundtrack has got to be the majority of the budget. Like the songs throughout this thing are spectacular. It's a good looking show. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the third episode because again, I I know where, where that character winds up. I'm just curious to see how it plays out in the third episode as they plan on dealing with the Continental. So we'll see how that happens and Gibson, but uh, it's an interesting watch. No, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Like I think the, 
I think the first episode has better action. The second episode has better storytelling. And the third episode is really, for me, where it all congeals. Like, I completely agree with you about him not having the same charisma as Ian McShane until the third episode. Okay. And the third episode is where I was like, all right, I see you as a leading man, and I'm now interested to see where the show goes. I think Mel Gibson is super punny the entire time, and I just fucking hate him for it. Um, But it is interesting to see elements of where this world is, like... Apparently in the background, there's the young Lawrence Fishburne character and and they leave it off in a place too where the story's not over. So they could do another season like because we they haven't cleared the gap of who he is yet. Right. Um, and that's kind of compelling. And, and I think you do have some interesting characters. I think that one of the benefits of the John Wick franchise is Keanu Reeves is just mesmerizing at all times. And you don't have the same pull in this. clearly but there is i think by the third episode the action is so well defined and some cool ass sequences and the stakes you kind of know what they are and and a lot of things are sort of uncovered by the third episode the mojo's cooking so i think they did a smart job of making this a show on peacock as opposed to theatrical release because i don't think you would have gotten to the third movie with the first two um but I, I dig it. An interesting thing to note, too, is that in the third episode, there's a song I've never heard before in my life, an Ace Fraley song called The New York City Groove that this week alone was featured in like three things I've watched. And it's like, why is this fucking song in this, The oh. Fall of the House of Usher and this weird ass other uh, scary movie I watched? So it's crazy. Did they really just released a new song in the past two years? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it's from the 70s. So it's. I know it's crazy, but it, it's enjoyable. Uh, and just, and just before just before we move on, I want to say so. I'd seen a couple of videos about this show before I watched the first two episodes, and I, you know, watching people on YouTube is just it's mind numbing. But a lot of people were bitching about how you just the the action doesn't hold up; it's not remotely blah blah blah. You know, John Wick really set a standard that's hard to match, and it's it's and it's relatively new. And I got to tell you, the action in this first episode. It was great. Had 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 John Wick not been a thing, this would have been the standard. The, the action in the building in that first episode, freaking terrific. And what? yes, it's not shot exactly the same way, but it's it's pretty goddamn good for, for action. I think, I think the thing that makes the John Wick franchise so revolutionary in stunt terms and action terms is it stunts that stuntmen think are cool. Like, that's what happens. It's things that fight choreographers want to do. That That's what's leading the show so much. And you look at some of those amazing fight sequences, and, and they ramp up. One is relatively tame in comparison to part four. You know what I mean? And so there's always that constant upping the ante. Like, we were in a Fast and the Furious franchise. And I think by the third one, there's this amazing fight sequence that happens in a telephone booth. And it's that brilliance of the circumstance and the choreography that happens therein that I'm like, this is fucking great. This is top notch because you're really seeing them work and you're seeing them have fun with it. And that's awesome. That's to me what the John Wick franchise is. Um, but I, I love the the action aspect of it. But yeah. we all are, you know, red blooded. We love action. And that's what brought us to the next film we're going to talk about. The Expend Forbles um, starring Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham. Dolph Lundgren, 50 Cent, Tony Jaa, Iko Uwe, and Megan Fox. I can't believe I haven't seen this yet. Sorry. I, I can't either. Um, well, I've seen it, so I can. Um, Chad, 
what did you think about Expendables 4? I enjoyed this one enough. Yeah. It was, it's definitely the least of the series, you know. Um, and you guys said this about the trailer, how, I don't know if you use these words exactly, because uh, you're nicer about it, but you act like it looked cheap. Yeah. And it is, as far as the movie goes. It's, it seems like the smallest in scale of by far of any of the expendables movie. Uh, there, there's some good action in it. Some good fight. I mean, you know, it's, you got some action stars in it. I love Jason Statham. He's great. And I like Megan Fox too. I like the two of them together. Uh, you know, I like their chemistry, but yeah, it is the, the weakest of the four by far. I feel like. And you also, you do have star power, but you don't have as many as some of the other ones. And you don't have, you know, like Arnold's not in it. Uh, you know, Harrison Ford's in, in one of them. Chuck Norris, you know, you've got some, you know, Jet Li. You've got some big people in the other ones and not as many big ones, big action stars in this one. I mean, you know, they they added 50 Cent. He's one of the ones they added. Uh, international, though, Tony Jaw. um, Dude from the raid, who, who I liked in this movie, uh, yeah, he was cool. Uh, but yeah, I like this movie just fine. But I like these types of movies. You know, I'm like an '80s kid liking these type of movies. This this is definitely not for everyone. And as I said, it is you know on the weaker side as far as the franchise goes. Yeah, like it feels to me like a straight to DVD release. Like yep. absolutely, I I think Megan Fox is. Uh, really attractive i got lost there for a second because that's what she is she's just really fucking hot like the entire time she's just really incredible hot. she's fine as an actress really fucking hot tony job was really great uh seeing him eco i thought did a great job as the bad guy um apparently this was going to be uh, a spinoff of the expendable series originally called uh a christmas story it was originally going to be the name of it um and it was a script a storyline that stallone had written um but then it got changed into this uh, there is a decision that happens pretty early on in the movie that you're that you're left thinking like they're really gonna fucking do that, and the answer is no, they're not really gonna fucking do that, <laughs> right. but they make you think they did. I, I and some of it, and then like while that like seemed ballsy at the beginning, the there's a reveal about who the traitor is that's just dumb. Like, you see it nine miles away. Oh my gosh, so I, far away. I saw it in Expendables one before, like you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but some of the fight sequence, Tony Jaws, the best part of the movie, just because he's like, I can't become the person I was because then I'll never come back. And then he just knees everyone to death. Like Great. two minutes later. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and like he went, he turned around and now has war paint on his face. And it's just incredible. Um, 50 cents pointless in this film. Uh, I just feel like, I just feel like there's a borderline racist thing that occurs whenever they cast an African-American man in these movies. They always have to say the line, that's what I'm talking about while they're wielding a tank's gun or something like that. Like, and I just feel that that's what happens in this movie. You know what I mean? Um, so that's my problem. But what are my problems with it? It's okay. It's If you have a bunch of hot wings and beer, yeah, put it on. But other than that, it's not an A24 release. Um, but speaking of old things that should probably die, let's go ahead and talk about the next film, uh, Saw X. Uh, Chad and I both saw this. Uh, if you flip it upside down, it spells Xmas. 
Um, Chad, what did you think about now? Does this count as the tenth one? Because do they count Spiral and Jigsaw in that? Or I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's too many. Spiral and Jigsaw. When you add them all up, this is the tenth one total. Well, I just think Saw has a more complicated continuity than Star Wars. Go ahead, tell me about this film. What did you think? It's maybe the most complicated continuity in any franchise. Absolutely. Unless you consider like Halloween, which has reboot after reboot. That's Don't even simpler. Movies. That's even simpler than the, the, this This movie. Okay, so one and two happen at the same time, but three happens before two. This happens while Jigsaw is taking a shit in the middle of one. Like, it's so fuck off. Fuck off. That's what I say. Go ahead. Tell me what you thought about it. So if you take away like the complicated aspect of the timeline... You just look at this just as a movie. You know, I enjoyed this. I think that in this movie, it's what's so funny about it is that Jigsaw, after everything that he's done, we've seen him do and stuff, he is 100% the hero of this movie. Yeah. There is no gray area. You are 100% rooting for Jigsaw to win in this movie. Like, he's a he is a good guy in this movie. Like it's amazing what they do with Jigsaw in this movie. And, you know, they used to do this back in like some of the slasher films, like the eighties, the nineties and stuff like that. In the sense that like, really you're just watching the movie because you want to see Jason kill all these people. You're actually rooting for Jason. Just Jason, just kill all these assholes, these stupid kids or whatever. But that's just because you kind of like Jason and he's a, he's a cool character, but this, they gave you real reasons to really root and empathize with Jigsaw and really hate the people that he is torturing, killing. Absolutely. Like, legitimately. So to me, this is one of the, it, it's one of the stronger entries in the franchise. It's not the best by far, but it, you know, it's in the top four or five for sure. It, at it's least in the top, in the top 10, at least in the yeah. top 10. <laughs> no, there's much worse than, than oh, yeah. this one. Oh uh, yeah. But, you know, again, I like this one, I, I'm, but I do like uh, Tobin Bell as Jigsaw. So uh, there's one trap in this one, Rob, that, you know, some of these traps are just like, you know, they're they're ridiculously difficult. And, you know, what you have to do to survive is, is terrible. And, and I think, can I do that? But the, one scene, a dude has to cut part of his brain out and put it on like, a weight or something. No, not even starting that one. Just, all right, whatever. When the five minute timer's up and this thing's going to cut my head off, whatever, that's what's going to happen. Cause I'm so not going to drill into my brain and start cutting it out. Just to cut into his own brain. Yeah. yeah you got to drill into your brain and cut out some brain matter and put it on a scale. And if you get enough on the scale, then you're going to survive. No, I'm done. Spoiler yeah. alert doesn't survive. <laughs> no, but he attempts it, you know, but so, that's the that's the song I want to see where the where, where the people are starting to fight like just fucking kill me I'm not doing your stupid tricks I'd rather yeah. die yeah because yeah. in these movies what they do is it, let's say it's a five minute timer they act that way for the first two to three minutes and then the last two minutes they're like oh my god now I've got to try this and they run out of time because they spent the first half of the timer saying I'm not going to do this this is crazy and and some of them are like bad uh, you know like again the one that was the quote uh, dream sequence at the beginning. Uh, that one was easy as, as all get out. I would do that in like two seconds where you got to break your fingers. Yeah. Like that's all the kid had to do or whatever. Just break your fingers. All right, good. I'm I'm done. 
and I'm out or whatever. But, you know, Jigsaw, even in the other movies, most of the time he is punishing people that have done bad things. But it's not like really bad things. It's like, hey, you ran through a stoplight. So now yeah. you have to cut your feet off if you want to survive. Like it's crazy stuff like that. But these people really did some, you know, pretty bad things. Oh, absolutely. And, and as a cancer patient, like I feel this one immensely, right? right. Because it literally the storyline is he has cancer. He hears about this treatment thing. They fake a treatment on him and scam him out of all this money, right? And then those are the people he's going after. My problem with it is kind of just what you were saying. It's like you run a red light. Now you have to take away your feet so you can never run again. That sort of thing is just like way too, it's not clever. It's way disproportionate. I want something that feels poetically tied in to what their crime was to be part of their punishment. Like, and I think if you just did that, I, I would, this series would be elevated above torture porn. You know what I mean? Because it is now, hey, you looked at me twice. I don't like that. Cut your femur off. Like, and that's just <laughs> too extreme, right? Um, I think that plus the muddied continuity, they, they just, when they were making these movies and they decided to kill off the Jigsaw character, they just bit themselves in the ass so exactly. hard. So now they're like putting him in a Lazarus pit like every five years to keep him going. And it's just kind of uh, crazy. I think it's fine. It's it's not my favorite. Uh, it does hit home at a, a couple points. Um, but other than that, like it's it's fine. I like his relationship with the kid. That was cool. Um, I like the right. way he's he's always a couple steps ahead. And in this one, you're worried he's not. But then, of course, of course, he is. They have a formula to this that they just follow. You know what I mean? Um, and the music is a banger too. Every oh, yeah. time, Absolutely. gets me every time. Yeah. But speaking of music being a banger. Let's talk about some epic music uh, in a series that just ended on Disney Plus that I'm sure we're all going to talk about how much we love. And that is Ahsoka. Uh, Chad, starring Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and the cast of Rebels, how did you feel about Ahsoka the show? Ahsoka was Star Wars to me. Yeah, This felt the most like what I would say is my Star Wars. Yeah. It, it really did. As far as the new stuff goes, this was the best to me, the best Star Wars series on Disney Plus. I, you know, again, I love the Mandalorian. Uh, I liked Obi Wan Kenobi. This was the best by far because, again, it felt like it felt really integrated into the Star Wars universe. Mandalorian's doing some stuff off here on the side. You know, Obi Wan Kenobi is definitely integrated, but I just felt like this was the full huge picture of the empire versus the rebels, the continuation of the star Wars story. You know, I love that. I love Ahsoka. She's one of my favorites. I love Thrawn talking about, you know, how he's one step ahead of, about things that, you know, that's the way he is. I'm a big fan of Thrawn from the, I said this in the last podcast from the opening scene, it looked like return of the Jedi. You know, that's what it looked like. And then there are moments that were return of the Jedi to me. We have, Live action Clone Wars flashbacks, awesome. It's it's Rebels, the next season of Rebels. Yeah, it is. I I can't stress how much I really like this series, and also the way that it ended is like, yeah, give me more. What's going to happen next? We're I just feel like that we're just building to like a major war, like a Star Wars. I mean, that's what it just seems like. That's gonna you know we're building the throne raising the empire and then fighting the rebels. And 
like I'm all for it. You know, I I really really dug this series a lot. Yeah, and I'm sure Rob is going to agree with you on every point. Uh, Rob, what did you think, Mister Grumpy Pants? Um, you know, it's one of those where it's you're right. It did feel like Star Wars the whole time. It, it's and but not always like the best of Star Wars. It's it felt like Star Wars the whole time where Obi Wan felt like Sid and Marty Croft to me it didn't feel like Star Wars to me um it's so the character of Ahsoka is great she's great I, I love I love her when she's stoic I love her when she's laughing I love her when she's fighting I think Rosario Dawson has a little bit of an issue fighting effectively in that huge head gown thing because some of the fights her 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 striking does not look like there's any intent. It looks like she's doing sort of a ballet dance at times. Um, so some of the fight scenes were hampered to me with the slowness of her striking. For example, I, I like the show. I, I think it ended great. I think episodes one and two, uh, the pacing and the dialogue was a little iffy. Three, four, five, and six I loved. I thought the last episode was okay. I, I thought it was fine. Thrawn is great. There's some great characters in it. I think they, I think they accidentally created two of the best Star Wars characters that I've ever seen, which is uh, uh, Bale, uh, what the fuck's his name? Uh, Ray Stevenson, and then Shin Hadi. Um, great. I mean, literally, I sat there thinking, it, it is such, it's a tragedy Ray Stevenson passed away anyway, just from all the, all the stuff he could have done outside of this. There's something about his character that just seemed to unite the Star Wars fandom a little bit. There's something that everybody liked from all sides that was just this grounded, intelligent, brooding, mysterious, not fucking with all the other bullshit. I felt like his character was commenting on Star Wars in the same way some people had a, it's the same thing over and over. The beginning, the bite, just what a fucking Star and And it was just... There's a gravitas of Ray Stevenson that I don't know how they replace him. I mean, there are a lot of great actors, don't get me wrong. And I've heard rumors about different names. I don't know who has what Ray Stevenson has. And we're going to find out who they think does, because I think he'll be recast. This actress who plays Shin Hadi did more with no dialogue, did more with less than I would say, and this is not a shot at everybody else, than everybody else in the show did with dialogue other than Ray Stevenson. Okay. That's how... Her, what she did with the look, I think this woman's going to win the Academy Award one day for playing a mute. I, she was phenomenal. I can't wait to see where they fucking go. I mean, it's just very powerful. I love the witches. See, I can watch a whole series of what they did. The look of those witches, phenomenal. The effects of the uh, uh, the, the whales, the and that whole was great. I feel like. The actress playing uh, Sabine is not was not great. I didn't think she was up to par with everybody else. I felt like her she was playing in a different tone of a movie. It was silly. It was uh, it, it, it was it was a little odd to me. Um, it was the best work that what's his name uh, uh, Darth Vader's done as a young oh, as hey, a young Christian. Christian. Wow. I mean, and again, I heard somebody say, well, he's got good dialogue. You know, it's what I could hamper any other actor. I thought he was tremendous in this. Yeah. I thought he was really, really, really tremendous in this. It was fun to see him back 
in that last episode as that she has like videotapes of him for trading, you know, which, which is kind of cool. Um, and again, one of the moments, I think it was episode when uh, she's battling him on the, whatever the world is, mid world, mid guard, whatever that is. I'm combining universes right now. Um, one of the moves, don't talk about she, the fighting, the last move of that fight was so slow where she catches him. It kind of diffuses the fight. I'm bouncing all over different things. Do I like the show? Yes, there's a lot to like about it. Um, I, I Again, the way they handle relationships, they build up these things that people haven't seen each other for years and they're lost forever. To play these reunited moments so casually and coolly was a little weird. The whole, like I didn't watch the, the, the Clone Wars and these other shows, but even I knew it, with the buildup that if, they've been fighting this long to find him Ezra and Sabine that that just didn't ring true the whole hey good to see you you know like outside a fucking soda shop and they haven't seen each other since lunch it just the, the whole ending of that episode dropped like a fucking wet blanket it was it was just there was just something I don't know there's something off about it that being said again there's some really really good shit in this and I'm looking forward to where it goes next yeah, I, I mean, I know I'm all over the map, but I, I what I loved, I wanted more of, and then it would drive me crazy. It, it was it was a little uneven for me. No, and I get that too. Like I, uh, I disagree with you, but I, but I do get it. Like I, I think it's, like Obi Wan, so I know I get it. It's all right. Yeah, no, I have good taste. It's it's clear. I think, um, to me, I I agree with Chad. Like to me, this is Star Wars. Like I I feel it's doing everything that all the other shows did, but it just feels like it's doing it better to me. I'll, I'll concede the point that there are some fight moments that feel like they're not great. Absolutely. But I think it's probably also because I, I do have an affinity for these characters sort of built in from the nostalgia of watching Clone Wars and Rebels and all of that stuff. But in as much as it's doing the connectivity that Obi-Wan Kenobi sought to do. It's giving me the nostalgia vibes that Book of Boba Fett tried to do. It's expanding the lore the same way that Mandalorian was trying to do. It still handles the political uprising that Andor was trying to do. But it, it leaves it all in this leveled off, this is Dave Filoni's baby sort of way, right? And And it's the first show of this Star Wars Disney Plus era that when it ended... I thought to myself, I can't wait to see what happens next. All the others, when they end, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I enjoyed myself, but that's fine. But this is the one where I was like, I want to know where, where we go from here. Um, and, and I've heard the Lee Schreiber rumor a lot about the recasting of Bailey, which I think is a good one. That's a great one. It'll be a different character, but it'll be a different character no matter who plays him because he's going to, you know, if they continue with that character. Um and I, I often too like wonder because Dave Dave Filoni knows Star Wars probably better than George Lucas knows Star Wars, and but his version of Star Wars can get a little woo woo like with the world between worlds and wolves having spirits and time travel and all that shit. So I I, I was interested to see how that would play to people who aren't familiar with it, right? This esoteric concept of Star Wars and how that translates to a, an audience. And I, I think it's done pretty well. I think Rosario Dawson's perfect casting for Ahsoka Tano. And, and again, I think it hits all the nostalgia points that I want. Um, and I'm also younger than 9,000 years old, so I can enjoy 
new TV and stuff like that. I'm not quite as old as that robot guy, the droid. No, close, close. Yeah, a little bit closer though. Um, one of the character I love that got you off is those wolf rat dogs. I love those wolf rat dog things. Fucking amazing. I got mad at oh Sabine. God. I think I called you. I got mad at Sabine when she was mean to one. I already I dislike like, Sabine, and then she cops a dude with a wolf rat dog. <laughs> Fuck you, Sabine. Forget about it. No, we're not. Not in my house. Done. <laughs> Good lord, uh, I want a wolf rat dog. Yeah, you know, that was a cool moment in the show, and it, it was again. I know it was intentional or not when. When uh, Thrawn says, oh, I'll keep my promise. You may go and you will have transportation and give her the weapon she needs. The uh, the stormtrooper, who's the one who sent her off? Was it the Met- was it Goldface guy? Yeah, Goldface guy. It was such a cool moment of him sending her off because he wasn't – I didn't think he was being a dick. The, the way he said that, die well, there was such an unbelievable amount of respect there. I was waiting for him to turn. I thought he was going to do a face turn at some point at the end of that. Yeah. That was – I, that moment planted such a seed of like, oh, what's is something going to happen? Are they going to turn it? And nothing happened there. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but that was such a great moment. And I was like, ah, oh, it was so real and honest. And just between warriors, I was like, fuck yeah, you know, they're just they're just following a master. They're just fo- they're just following that you know what they're supposed to do in life. And it's that was cool. That was just a really cool moment. Anyway, I digress. No, I think it's. I think it makes them compelling villains, just in general. The fact that they're not always pure evil. Well, Thrawn, I think is Thrawn looks like Elon Musk became a Smurf, but he a hundred percent looks like Elon Musk. One hundred percent, and that voice is so creepy. Everything he says is just so uncomfortable, and I love it. I love it. It's great. It's scary. I, I do like at the end, like when uh, Ahsoka is trying to catch up to him, and he just basically gets on the calm link just to like gloat. Like, hey, nice try, but uh, see you later, dude. And to talk shit, he's, <laughs> he's like, like oh, that's all he's doing. I guess you're a failure, much like your master. <laughs> like, just damn, dude, calm down, Hannibal's he, brother. He was so good. He, that guy, he was the bad guy in one of the episodes of uh, Sherlock with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, he's the guy who kept the mind palace. Yeah, with right. everybody. First time I saw him, that he was fucking. Avengers. He's Mickelson's uh, older brother. He's just Thank amazing. You. He's so good. He's so good. He's scary. Um, much like the next thing we're going to talk about, another uh, movie that will make heads turn. That is The Exorcist Believer. Chad and I both saw this movie, uh, and I think we're going to have differing opinions on it. Chad, what did you think about the film? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I feel like I'm going to have differing opinions from most people yeah. watch this because so going to this movie the reviews are bad like really really bad and so i had i had low expectations i mean i love the trailer i thought it was an awesome trailer but even, awesome. even from the trailer i even said on the podcast i don't know if the movie is going to be anything like living up to this but the trailer is a perfect trailer but i had low ex- expectations going into this and so I'm watching the movie and I just keep thinking like about all these better views. I was like, okay, when's the movie going to get bad? Because so far it hasn't gotten bad. And then eventually the movie's over and it never got bad. So I, I don't understand. I think that some of it might be uh, to a degree that this is David Gordon Green. Mm-hmm. And this is the people that just did the Halloween reboot. Mm-hmm. It left a sour taste in a lot of people's, you know, minds as far mm-hmm. as that goes. And that could be a little bit of it. The same way how there's this tribalism with 
um, Zack Snyder and either, you know, you hate all the other stuff that has nothing to do with Zack, Zack Snyder's DC or whatever. Yeah. That could, that could be part of it. Um, obviously I'm not a crazy person. This is nothing like the original exorcist. It's, it doesn't compare what would compare to the original exorcist. I, you know, it is nothing like that, but I loved, and I mean, loved the exorcism aspect of this, where you had all these different people from all these different religions involved this time. It wasn't just a priest. There was a priest. There was like a Southern Baptist. There was a spirit, just one with spirits in the world and nature, I guess. Then uh, Leslie Odom Jr., you could argue he's an atheist. You know, like there's all these dis different, quote, religions coming together to do the exorcist. I thought that was a great idea. They have a rabbi or was this anti-Semitic? It was uh, anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there, was, there was not a rabbi. But so I thought that was really, really cool. How they, they had a nun that was uh, a lap that, you know, left the convent. You know, there's so many different elements to that. I really liked it. I thought Leslie Odom Jr. was great. Yeah. Uh, so no, is this like a five-star movie? No. Is it like The Exorcist as good as that? No, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was the biggest piece of trash I've ever seen. That's for sure. I enjoyed it. Well, I did. And here's why. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, first of all, let's acknowledge uh, one of the stars of this film, Vince Canlis, um, appears in this movie. So that's pretty awesome to see him I texted there. Rob after I got out. Yeah. yeah it was cool. awesome to see him there. They also like put he has like a long bit of dialogue but they put it at a level you can't hear it the entire time he's on screen <laughs> and it's just like he's, he's eating into it like he's he's delivering the shit out of it but it's all <laughs> the entire time poor, poor guy um but it's great seeing him in there um and i also know a friend jessica sanchez that worked on it i think there's a lot of good about this film i look i david gordon green is a disappointment in life and i would be ashamed to call him family but I think simultaneously, <laughs> he uh, he did yeah, some twenty movies in Atlanta next year, so we just yeah. love it. Uh, he did some good stuff here. Leslie Odom Jr. is great in the movie. I think uh, I think all the cast is great. I think the, his daughter is the better of the exorcism girls. Like in this, um, Ellen Burstyn was great in it. Uh, it was great seeing that other appearance that you see in the movie. That was pretty solid. Um, I think the choice that has to be made that ending is perfect exorcist ending not not the actual ending of the film but the ending of the exorcism itself is a yes. perfect exorcist ending because i think the exorcism as a exorcist as a franchise needs to make you feel uncomfortable at the end it is not a story about good triumphing over evil it is a story about how evil will always be there and they do an element of that, 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 that what a loss this is of innocence. They, they do that. And that's great. I feel like there's a lot of sections in this movie that feel like they're montages from commercials for insurance companies. Like there's a lot of like these weird ass sappy <laughs> piano playing while Leslie Odom Jr. is like, life is about change. But when you change, we're here for you. You know, you know what I mean? Like that happens like six times in this fucking movie. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, so there's that. There's the second aspect where I feel like they wanted to make a statement, but didn't have the fucking balls to make the statement. Because in the end, I completely agree with you. It's a cool idea of what happens within the exorcism. 
but they're all Christian religions. And I get that part of the, the premise of this is Christianity itself, but it would have been interesting to have a faith in there represented that was not Christianity, that was somebody not asking for healing through Jesus Christ. And that feels like it would have made the statement a little bit more intense. I do love when the priest shows up, he's like fucking Batman and this motherfucker. And like everybody's like, yeah, and like cheering and, and stuff like that. And then it doesn't work out well for him. But uh, um, so, so I think there's some great aspects to it. I think the the Ellen Burstyn stuff feels kind of forced, uh, at least in the way it's executed. Some of that just feels kind of pushed in. And, and I think also The Exorcist has such a rich canon of movies that have such interesting ideas already in it that to ignore... You're igno I, I get two is not everybody's favorite, but you're going to ignore that because it's basically saying the same thing you're saying in this movie. Uh, but I think it kind of still did it better. But that's just my opinion. Um, I think this movie's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anti-Semitic, as Rob would point out, but it's fine. Also, here's the other thing. Fuck this. It's set in, like, bumfuck Georgia, but everybody in that town is Catholic? What bumfuck town in Georgia <laughs> you know that's predominantly Catholic? Like That's, that's not true at all. The, the other family, they were in, like, a Baptist church. But 9,000 people were in that Catholic church, and they weren't a Baptist church. They were, like, Episcopalian because they were still doing communion. And I'm like, you guys don't know bumfuck Georgia. Like, I, I feel that's the thing. They shot it here but didn't do any research about how tight Protestantism and, like, deep Baptist is in this area. You know what I mean? So, but that's just me, I guess. I just, at the end of the day, what does religion have to do with the exorcist, Keith? <laughs> Moving on. You get a lot of the filmmakers, Keith. You're really asking a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, just I think that's my biggest issue with it is the religious aspects of the film. I feel are hollow. I feel like. Go ahead. What What did you think about the reveal during the exorcism about Leslie Odom's choice? Great, great. That was. I great. thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was great. I thought that was great, okay. and I think it's a perfect setup for the other choice that. Occurs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's um, nice. And I, lo I love that choice. That whole choice aspect is the best. I wish it would have ended there as opposed to in all state. We have you in our hands and all that bullshit that happened afterwards. I don't know. Every time you say Leslie Odom, I keep picturing Leslie Nielsen and thinking maybe that would have been a better movie back in the day. What? He did an Exorcist spinoff. He did. Repossessed? He did. Repossessed, oh. I think. With Linda Blair, right? Um, right? Oh, I don't remember Linda Blair, but quite possibly. If you I guys need to do that for your little deep dive into horror. I, I don't really think it's an 80s movie um but that's fine uh but speaking of 80s movies let's go ahead and talk about one that chad and i both watched uh, uh an amazon prime film starring sabrina the teenage witch and that one james bond girl that's on modern family um uh julie what the fuck is her name ben oh julie bowen, julie bowen yeah. um and that is totally killer um chad what did you think about this movie totally killer it was it was fun you know light enjoyable uh slasher uh rather the premise is this, it's kind of like back to the future where the main actress she goes back in time but to actually save her mother's friends from getting killed by a slasher from like 30 years ago or something like that that's cool she's got to do it what's that that's a cool combo that's a cool why the hell not yeah yeah, yeah and it's you know and it is fun and, and i like it it's not as 
good or as clever as some of the other high concept slashers like Happy Death Day or Freaky. I can't I picture Freaky Friday, whatever, whatever, Freaky, yeah. Yeah, like, like I like Freaky and Happy Death Day a lot better than this. This does seem like more of the bargain bin version of this, but that's not necessarily like a bad thing. It, it's fine. You could do a lot worse, you yeah. know, during October watching this fun movie. Uh, I mean, it was fun. I had a good oh. time with it. Yeah, agree completely. I, I, same sentiments. I think I think it was a lot of fun. I think Sabrina is really great in this. I think the mask of the killer is cool. I think they they have a twist. It's not the biggest of twists. It's not like a surprise. But I think in the tone of this film, it doesn't have to be. Because I think this isn't trying to be strictly slasher. It's slasher comedy. Right. And it, it hits a lot of those beats really greatly. Just about how easy things were to do. Like there's a scene where she's trying to figure out what class her mother is in and in the school right so she walks up to the front office and she's like hey i know this is confidential information but i'm looking for sally so and so listen i'm actually a friend of her family and before she can even finish saying it the, the lady has given her the info and she's like you don't need to see any identification and she's like identification for what get the fuck out of here <laughs> it's like yeah that's what the 80s was like that's great that's great that's my childhood um I, I, I like too that. when they're talking about uh they're trying to explain to her time travel and she's like, Do you know anything about time travel? And she's just like, Well, I saw Endgame, but that that's her that's how she knows about time travel from Endgame, <laughs> you know. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I also like uh Jimmy Woo from uh the MCU's in there. I think he was he, very funny when he threw that the DNA. The, the, yes. Like the girl robbing this, she gets blood of the uh the killer and she takes it to the cop. And again, this is the 80s. And she's like, here, this is all you need. Just run it through the database. She's like, what are you talking about? I've got his DNA. Like, this will tell us who the killer is. And he's like, whatever. He just he just throws it on the ground and just like, yeah, like, we'll check out this CMA. Anyway, we need some. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's just great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a cool little comedy. I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, speaking of enjoying things, let's go on to the next thing that I saw. I've watched the first two episodes of this new Netflix series, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. Mike Flanagan, known for Dr. Sleep, The Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, The Midnight Club, um, all sorts of, uh, yeah. Luigi. Luigi, um, Oculus. He's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, Hush, a lot of amazing, uh, amazing things. And this, I think, might be one of my favorite shows he's done. I haven't seen The Midnight Club. I've only seen the first two episodes of this. And it does a great job of combining aspects of Poe's stories and Poe's life and merging them into this original story. Like, is this a mix-up sort of thing? Um, and it's great. And it's got all of his... He's sort of like a... Mike Flanagan is a non-toxic Ryan Murphy, right? Because he uses the same cast members. And so you get to see all these people coming back. And so this has got... Henry Thomas, it's got Bruce Greenwood, it's got uh, the, the guy from Midnight Mass, the lead from that is absolutely great, Carla Gigliano. Yep. Yeah, she's, Rob she's, loves her. She's amazing. She's dressed in lingerie during the entirety of the second episode, which is pretty solid. Um, who else? It's got his wife, who was um, Thea in uh, The Haunting of Hill House show. A great cast, just phenomenal casting. And you're seeing all these actors just put in great work. Bruce Greenwood specifically, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So he plays Roderick Usher, um, famously played before by Vincent Price. And so he's playing that role and he's incredible in it. I, I can't wait. The second episode alone has some of the coolest imagery I think he's ever accomplished in his career. And so I'm excited to see what's happening. The basic premise is 
Roderick Usher's life has fallen apart. All six of his children have died. We're finding out why. Um, and it seems like there may be a curse on the family. And then everywhere you turn, you're getting Poe references, like the premature burial, gold bug, all these sort of things in there. It's awesome. It's a good spooky watch. I like it a lot. But speaking of good watches that I like a lot, let's talk about a show all about time, something that I think we've all watched at least the first episode of. Um, Chad's only watched one episode. I've watched two. Uh, Rob has watched two. And that is the MCU's Loki. Uh, Chad, what are you thinking about Loki so far? Like I said, I only saw the first episode, but it was it was a fun start. Um I didn't like the way Loki ended last time, but I do like how it began uh, in this one. I felt like we got right to uh, the point of the way that episode ended last time where they didn't know who he was. And then he's, you know, he's in a different time, you know, he's in the past. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued with where this is going. I'm intrigued with how this is going to impact the future of the MCU uh, with all these, you know, different timelines, you know, uh, I love uh, Kiwi Kwan as far as adding uh, to the cast. He's he's a lot of fun in that first episode. Uh, very, very fun scene with the time travel where Loki's yeah. talking to him in the past and then he's remembering it in the present. Very, very fun. I, I dug all of that. Um, I just hadn't had a chance to watch the second episode yet. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what about you? Thank God the show's back. I, you know, I feel like this is so strange. I feel like Tom Hiddleston's got such a, he's kept this show in a bubble and he's protected it from whatever insanity has been going on outside of it. That's allowed the movies and the other shows to sort of run off the rails a little bit uh, without the quality. I think he is, I think he protects his character, you know, with a shield of armor. And um, he knows how this character runs. He knows how this world is. And um, yeah, I think this show, like Chad said, that the uh, Ahsoka feels like Star Wars. This show feels like the MCU. This show feels relationship of characters, dialogue, tone, uh, just quality of uh, the moments. Um, I love this show. Uh, I loved how it picked back up immediately. The relationship between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston is my favorite relationship in the MCU right now. The way they get along, the nitpicking, the odd couple, the the the, the friends, it, everything about it is just is just so clever. I think Owen Wilson could have a conversation with a tree, and I would enjoy it. A tree, not not Groot. I, I think he relates to everybody. I think he puts everybody at ease. I think I think Owen Wilson makes everybody better. Um, and when you start with someone like Tom Hiddleston, who's good anyway, I mean, it just elevates these scenes. Um, I feel like the budget, I, the, there's, you can see it, the budget's a little lower. There's a little bit of, but again, and then I realized I don't give a shit because I can watch these people talk to each other about what's going on. They handle exposition better than any show in the MCU, movie or TV. Um, just clever and likable. And um, they're... There seems to be, Chad, Chad has to watch episode two to let me know if he feels the same way. But I, I feel like something's missing between episode one and episode two. There was a huge gap where I was like, did I did I miss something? Did I fall asleep? Did I, what is happening here? And there's still some things I don't quite understand with time. I, I truly well, believe 
I truly believe they had planned on going back and reshooting something and adding something, and then the strike hit. Because some there's a huge mm-hmm. gap, which is hard to justify. That being said, we're not morons. I went, it's not as complicated as the end of the Groot and the ice cream. I was going to say, this is <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, this, was, this was not as complicated for me to go, all right, somehow, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it has to do, Chad, with, I'm not spilling anything. There's a character in episode one you've seen played by an actor named Raphael Casal. And he's like one of the, the military. He's like five. X5, yeah. X5. And I remember hearing people rave about him who'd seen the first four episodes. And I'm, I remember talking to Keith going, this guy's fucking terrible. I, there's nothing about this character. There's nothing interesting at all on any level. What the hell are they talking about? And in episode two, I'm like, oh, he's fucking great. You know, so it's, but we there, there's there's something that's missing in the dialogue and the storytelling where you go. That being said, once you let go of that, Shows a blast. It's some of the best dialogue I've seen in the MCU in a long time. Clever conversations. It's it's very self-contained in the world they're playing with right now. I I, I see how it still could connect to the greater world and what's going, what's what's about to happen. Um, it's just a shitload of fun. It's nonstop motion. It's nonstop. Even when they're sitting still, the stories they're telling are clever and fun. Uh, I fucking dig it. I think it's great. Um, yeah. Even when I feel like it's spinning its wheels and sitting in a place to talk, I can listen to these fuckers talk all day long just about their lives. There's that scene in episode two where Loki's trying to make Owen Wilson feel a little better. And he uses a very important moment in his life as if it's just, you know, there was a time I did this. Can we got to get over these? I don't want to give it away. Chad, I want Chad to experience it, but it's, I belly laugh. I literally was belly laughing at the use of this reference in this little moment. It's, it's good shit. Absolutely, I, I agree. And now I really want to see Owen Wilson having a conversation with Groot. I want to see like how Mobius, like not even understanding him, it would be like, "I am Groot." Wow, that's so interesting. Like that would be such a nice. <laughs> I think Mobius, after one conversation, would understand him because he's Mobius, oh, is such a good listener. Yeah, yeah. Right. and he would spit like even if he didn't though, he would pretend he did, and it would still be like very charming and like very endearing. I think you understand his subtext. I don't know what you're saying, but yeah, you're but saying. it's great. Love it. <laughs> Love to hear it. That's great. Um, so, sort of like when I'm talking to my cats, and I'm like, oh, I know, but I don't really know. That's what he would do. Um. I love it. Like, I think the thing about the show is that it's not afraid to to lean into that quirky Doctor Whovian sort of aspect of it. And because it's able to do that, it's it, it feels so genuine. Like, even if the budget has been cut, it's shot so beautifully and so intentional. You know what I mean? Like, it's I, I was listening to somebody talk the other day about how, you know, perhaps one of the downfalls of, of modern cinema is the ease of CGI allows us to do whatever we want and we don't have to pre-plan things. But this feels, especially even that, that conversation of going back and forth through time, it's very intentional that every single time you're cutting to the person completely in the middle, Wes Anderson style, so that you never lose track of where you are. You know what I mean? And those intentional decisions just make the show feel so much more polished than perhaps other shows do. And, and I, I think it's smart. I think it's extremely well constructed. Even in moments where I'm like, oh, I don't like that choice. There'll be something a couple moments later that makes me reflect upon that choice in a different way. And I know that's only two episodes in, but yeah, it's fucking great. It's fucking great. Are they? I, I meant to ask. Do you, do you know if they're using the same director throughout, or are they using multiple directors in this? I think it's the same director throughout the entirety of season two. Well, that's what they did with season one with Kate Heron. Okay, yeah. so one one vision. Okay, interesting. Cool. 
Um, yeah, yeah, me and too. I think it ends. I think this, the, the week it ends doesn't. Is that when Carol's um, come out? Okay, so it goes yeah. right into. Um, and I think Goosebumps starts this Friday, so we all should check that out too. I didn't uh, know much about that. I never was into that. So is that any good? I mean, Goosebumps? Goosebumps? I, I mean, I had a whole fucking show about it on YouTube about reading the books. I have them like right here. Uh, the books are terrible. The books are god awful because they're they're always about like eleven year olds uh, who's not parented well. But Justin Long's in this one, and I think <laughs> yeah, I saw that he was in it. So I'm like, yeah, he's great though. I yeah, think. he's great, and so. He- and he's in a lot of horror. He's in a lot of horror. He's in something I, else. I can't even remember. He's in the trailer for something else where he has like weird teeth or something. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No idea. That sounds- oh, it's a, it's a wonderful knife. Shut oh, up. That sounds That's awesome. a great title. Yeah. It's, and it's it's what you think. It's a slasher, wonderful life. But That's he's awesome. in it. Yeah. That's got to be Blumhouse. Is that Blumhouse? That's got to be Blumhouse. I'm not sure if it's Mo Master. Sounds eight twenty four probably because they're smart. And going from that wonderful noise Chad just made, let's go <laughs> and talk about some trailers uh, now. Coming soon. Coming soon. That awesome trailer music. We're going to start off with. Uh, what I think is a fantastic looking movie, not to bury the lead, uh, but it is an A24 release, so that lets us know that it's going to have some good quality to it, starring Zach oh. Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harris Dixon, Mara Turney. Oh my God, she's amazing. I love her. Holt uh, McCallany, Lily James, Brady Pierce, Kevin Anton, Brett Baobay, Casey Lewis, Carrigino playing Bruiser Brody, Mike Dell, Aaron oh, Dean Eisenberg. Brody. Yeah. I, Aaron Dean Eisenberg playing Rick Flair, Leo Franick playing Ross Von Erich, Sam Franish playing Marshall Von Erich, Maxwell Friedman playing Lance Von Erich, uh, Mark Givens. That's MJF. Jim That's Kim. MJF. Yeah. Um, Get the fuck out of here. That's crazy. And uh, yeah, directed by Sean Durkin, written by Sean Durkin. This is the Iron Claw, the true story of the inseparable Von Erich brothers who made history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. Before you ask a question, I got to ask Chad at this point, like, what would this movie have to do or be like for you not to like it? I mean, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to figure out. How bad and off the rails would this have to go for me not to at least go? Yeah, man, it was it was about them. It was good. I dug it. It's gonna I, be depressing, and that's why Chad's not gonna like it. I don't know. It's so it's gonna be know, depressing. Everybody fucking dies. We know the end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as evidence from the beginning of the show, I'm a wrestling fan, and mm-hmm. I do know the Von Eric story. So yeah, it, it's crazy. It's batshit insane. It it's going to be depressing, and it's a twenty four, but. I, the people I love wrestling and I love the people involved in this. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I'm a fan of Zach Efron. I think that he has charisma out the wazoo. Like, Absolutely. I yeah. am a fan of Zach Efron. But, and again, it's, it's the Von Eric story. And I didn't even know all of the potential, whatever you want to call it, cameos. Like I didn't know Ric Flair, you know, there's going to be a Ric Flair in this movie or Bruiser Brody. Like, I don't know who's going to be in the movie. There's a quick but, shot of Flair in the trailer. There's yeah. an overhead oh, shot. There's a quick shot of him. Okay, with the- I didn't notice that. I, I thought I thought I saw the Freebirds. Yeah, uh, they're, in there. they're in there too, yeah. And, but, you know, I just, I'm just now finding out, you know, MJF is in the movie. That's, that's awesome. You know, I'm a fan of MJF. But 
yeah, this is a uh, opening weekend watch for me for sure. Like I'm deaf. It looks awesome. It looks great. So, you know, Darren Aronofsky is a crazy filmmaker. I'm not a fan of most of his films, uh, but he did the wrestler and I, I dug the wrestler a lot. A lot of that had to do, of course, with Mickey Rort's acting, you know, it was incredible. Uh, but even that, uh, with him, with that director, it still didn't stop me. You know what I mean? I still dug the movie. So to your original question, I don't know what would, you know, have it where I won't like this movie when it's said and done. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I literally, I go, I look at, it, I go, I, I thumbs up. I just, just from the trailer alone. I don't, I don't know. Literally you just show me the trailer. I'm like, that was a good movie. That was a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I watching this trailer makes me so scared because I just don't want to see it all go to hell. You know what I mean? Like you can tell, you can tell there's the scene where he's just gotten in the car accident. His foot's been fucking cut off or whatever. And he's about to go wrestle. And like, that alone just made me want to fucking cry. Like, it's going to be so powerful. I just think, I love the way A24 is like, this Oscar winning stuff is good. We're never not going to do this again. Like, we're winning every year from now on. And this is the one that's going to do it. Like, this looks oh, amazing. Yeah. Jeremy Allen White, you know, coming off the bear. Both of you seen all the bear? No. I've seen him. I've seen his work. He's good. Yeah, I've seen a bear before, but you need, to, you need to see Bobby A Bear. You know, you need to see the bear on Hulu. It's the best show on television. Well, after Ahsoka, clearly, but it's yeah. better than Obi Wan Kenobi, Keith. It's That's literally yeah. you need to watch it. That's how good it is. It's the he's so fucking good in this, but everybody is. You need to watch that show. It's not what you think it is. It's it's really amazing. I mean, I think it's amazing. So that's I mean, watch it. All no, it. nobody's been like the Bears. Kind of okay. Like they don't, they don't really say that. Yeah, but like, you haven't watched it. But you haven't watched it. It's great. I, I haven't. It. There's a lot of stuff I haven't watched. I haven't watched Top Gun. Um, but uh, this, this <laughs> look, Keith's face, is uh, Chad's face. Iron Claw is. It looks fantastic. But speaking of a, a different type of claw, let's go on to the next uh, trailer. <laughs> um, and that is for Leo. Um, uh, the story of a 74 year old lizard named Leo and his turtle friend decide to escape from the terrarium of a Florida school classroom where they have been living for decades. Directed by uh, Robert Marionetti, Robert Schmeagel, and David Watchenheim, I think is his name. Uh, starring Adam Sandler, Bill Burr, Cecily Strong, Jason Alexander, Rob Schneider, Allison Strong, Joe Coy, Sadie Sandler, Sonny Sandler, Coulter Ibanez, Bryant Tardy, Corey J, Ethan Schmeagel, Tiana Safko. Uh, Gloria Manning, Carson Manier, Roy Schmeagel, and Reese Loris. Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Netflix's original animated film, Leo? That's got to be Smeagol, though. That's that, Those are the Smeagols, right, from Saturday Night Live? That's yeah, got to yeah. be. Okay, gotcha. I thought it was Smeagol. Is it Smeagol? I thought it was Smeagol, but I don't know. I could be. I, I don't know be. either. I'm not, yeah. not going to bet my nut on those Smeagol. Anyway, well, digress. So, Leo. What it looks like to me is it looks like one of these cheap Netflix cartoons that I'm never going to watch. So. Ooh, coming out hot. Absolutely. Wow, he's mad at the Pass. God damn. Rob, please tell I never, me you're I never I never heard of it until you mentioned you it. I haven't trail, I never even heard of it. So I'm um, just for the just for Smigel and Sandler. I can't wait to see it. Wait, you didn't watch the trailer? I never heard of it. I seen it in the text message. I don't get text. <laughs> I don't 
I think it blended it. I saw Leo. I thought you meant DiCaprio when I watched. So first Killers of all, Killers. you sent the Zoom link via text message, which is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that'd take me forever. To it was the fastest way to do it in the moment. It was the fastest way to do it. I went with speed. <laughs> I went with speed. I just can't believe it. I saw Adam Sandler voicing a lizard. The guys are going to love this. I have to be here for it. And then I was the only one that dug it. I, I loved it. I think it's great. It was I, completely phoned in by everyone. I am so, I think his old 74 year old lizard voice is perfect. It feels authentic. I thought Rob would be able to relate to it. And that's why I suggested it. I'm going to watch it 12 times. Yeah. And, and then we'll hey, talk I, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite movies is Eight Crazy Nights. So I'm on board for him to do more old people voices. I love it. Um, and that brings us to another form of lizard. Um, this one's for a television series set after the battle between Godzilla and the Titans, revealing oh. that monsters are real, follows one family's journey to uncover its buried secrets and a legacy linking them to Monarch. This series stars Christopher Heyerdahl, uh, Mary Yan- Yamanoto, uh, Kyoko Kudo, Shota Tsuji, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, Josh okay. Collins, Charlie Hewson, uh, Junichi Tajiri, David hey, Santana, Charlie Karuma, Wyatt Russell, okay. Kiersey Clemens. Oh, I love her. Joe Tippett, Anna Sawai, Elisa Laswaski, Valencia Budianto, Billy Christos Jr., and Ryan Cowie. This, of course. John Goodman. Did you say John Goodman? It, uh, jo- Goodman. Yeah. yeah I didn't see Rob put his finger up. I didn't hear John Goodman. John Goodman, John Goodman, uh, this Apple Plus TV Plus show, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Chad, what would you think about the trailer for Monarch? So this looks good. It looks like a movie. It, you know, Kurt Russell, awesome. Godzilla, check. You got John Goodman connecting it, you know, with the other movie. It does look good. Yeah. It does. The problem is, is that. I have like 18 streaming services and I don't have Apple Plus. You can can't add, I'm not adding another app. I'm going to give you just for that show. I'm going to give you my password. It looks good. It really does. Don't you use mine? (laughs) 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 You know, sometimes when you hold on something for too long, you take possession of it. And by the way, Chad, if you need HBO Max or Netflix, give me a call. You got those two, right? <laughs> give me a call. And I got a, I got a blender of DVDs. If you want to borrow my DVDs, you this, got them. This is supposed to be what it's like living with a parasite inside of your stomach at all times. I was I was the reason that oh, what's his name? Bong Shun Ho wrote that movie called Parasite. It's yeah. Basically living off all your streaming services. <laughs> So, uh, my Second. parasitic friend, what did you think about the trailer? He didn't for watch it. He didn't watch the trailer. You didn't watch, watch the trailer of Monarch. Yeah, did How you did watch you it? know about that one? But you missed Leo. I don't know. With Leo, <laughs> well, Monarch, I just caught on my own. I have Apple Plus. So, I, do you? Do you? you um, I've seen the trailer of Monarch twice. It looks great. It looks really high quality production value. Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell. Say what you want. He was great, fucking uh, yeah. That character, he's great. Um, I love your say what you want, as if someone's saying the opposite of that. Say what <laughs> you want, you, but chocolate naysayers, <laughs> all you anti Wyatt Russell naysayers and detractors out there in our podcast land, you get on board the Wyatt Russell train. <laughs> he's fucking tremendous. I also lent him my Apple Plus. <laughs> he's very happy with me. Um. 
I thought it looked great. I, I it, there's there's an urgency to it. The quality of the monsters looks it looks awesome. Yeah, can't wait to see it. Yep, yeah. I'm, same here. I mean, I, I love these movies. This looks like a fucking movie. Uh, this looks like Apple TV Plus, man. They don't hold back. They're like, I was going to say, you know, HBO, HBO and HBO Max has a reputation of high quality shows. And I'll say, again, regardless if you like subjectively the stories told at Apple Plus, the quality and the money they put into their shows, the production value is great. Um, so it, it just feels like eight Warner Brothers who desperately needs, other than yeah. Barbie, they desperately need the goodwill of the people. They missed the boat on this one. They missed the boat on not having this be a part of their lineup. Say what you want about uh, Water Brothers. (laughs) That's one that you can say. But the okay, I got that right. (laughs) What you want about Chad Dowdy? But I'm saying he's one third of the show. That's what I was saying. (laughs) Say what you want. Uh, well, I'm glad. If any of you need Apple Plus, don't hesitate to email me it. Uh, uh, find us on Twitter, NQC Podcast, and then uh, we'll let you know what the Apple Plus I'll password set you up with is. My Apple Plus. I am so glad you're giving people the gift of My Apple Plus. But let's go on to our last trailer of the evening, uh, and that is for a film directed by legendary filmmaker John Woo, Silent Night. A grieving father enacts his long-awaited revenge against a ruthless gang on Christmas Eve. Written by Robert Archer Lynn and starring Joel Kinnaman, Catalina Sandina Moreno, Kid Cudi, Harold Torres, Vinny O'Brien, Yoko Hamanura, Anthony Giuletti, and John Pollock. Silent Night. Uh, Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Silent Night? Yes, you know, it's like John Woo's Death Wish is what this is. Yeah, I'm curious if this will be like... Um, no one will save you and there will be no dialogue in this film. And there's no dialogue in the trailer, mm-hmm. but I think it'd be interesting to do the entire film without yeah. any dialogue, especially it seems like uh, Joel Kinnaman can't talk after the accident or no, accident, the shooting or what have you. Um, so that's interesting. You know, I'll probably check this out at some point. Um, you know, John Woo, he's a legend as far yeah. as that goes. Uh, speaking of a legend as it being old things, Rob, uh, what did you think about the trailer? I love a good director who's got a certain style that as soon as it comes on, whether it's the trailer or the movie, you know who that director is. And it was just, wow. He just shoots in such an interesting style and a look. And again, I'm not a fan of all Wu's movies, but I I like his style. And I like, you know, always like what he's done. Um, Like the way he goes about his business. It looks great. I love Kinnaman. I remember he did a show. One of the first things I remember seeing him, it was called The Killing. It was on, I think it was an FX show. I think it's on Netflix now, four seasons. Um, it's awesome. He plays this strung out cop who's trying to get back on track and he partners up with this, with this other guy. It's, it's awesome if you haven't seen it. It really holds up time-wise. Um, I'm a fan of Kinnaman. I think he's great. I think yeah. his work. I think it looks good. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah, who, who doesn't want to see kick the shit out of a bunch of bad guys? Fuck yeah. yeah. I, I think Kinnaman's great. I, I, I even liked him in the Robocop remake. I think he's great in the Suicide Squad movies. He's always carrying his weight. Um and I I love John Woo. I think John Woo is the architect of John Wick. He's the modern, he's the father of modern action films. You know what I mean? Um, and definitely revolutionized them until we get to the Matrix. Everything was trying to emulate John Woo. And so this looks like a, a budget cut from what he's used to, probably. Um, but I'm still excited to see it. Like if he feels the need to come out of retirement. Fuck yeah, I want to see what he wants to do. Um, and plus, it's a Christmas-themed movie? Okay, cool. That's, that's cool. That's yeah. got to cool. 
Uh, and I know Rob's. I hear Rob like for like he likes that music. Yeah, the music hells, yeah. <laughs> damn right. The, the singular Jewish man with the most Christmas compilation CDs. <laughs> I have my own theme song. Uh, have a holly Jewy Christmas and time of the year. Um. Yeah. So so I, I'm here nope. for it. I'm excited for it. Um. Uh, before we go out real quick, uh, we want to say um. The WGA strike has been resolved. However, the SAG after strike has not been resolved yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of right now, the AMTP, uh, AMPTP has walked away from the table. What we are doing is in no way violating the SAG after strike. Know that we are in full support of them and what the union is fighting for. It's important and fuck the AMPTP for what they're doing. Um, that's that's that. Um, uh, Chad, where can the people find us? On Twitter slash X and Instagram on NQC Podcast. And Rob, where can the people find you? On Twitter slash 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 X at Rob Pralga. Uh Facebook at Rob Pralga. And uh uh Pralgo's acting class. And you know, and right here. Right here, indeed. We <laughs> we'll be back with more uh movies and stuff. And look out in the first week of November, Chad and I for Not Quite Darkness. We'll do a special 31 for 31 episode. We will review all of our Halloween watches. And uh Rob's not invited because you know it's Rob. Uh oh, puppy. Oh, there's oh my goodness. Oh, oh it's a pup dog you on the podcast it's a really cute pup dog named schmutzy he went to his first training today puppy training well congratulations how did puppy training go yeah pretty good he was the smartest in his class of all four <laughs> he sat and then he then he then he didn't start then he didn't sit and then he he ran around and he peed on the floor he was the best <laughs> what a great class that sounds like hanging out with rob definitely thank you guys for so much for tuning in we'll see you next time peace not quite cool is a podcast Recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions. Thanks.